And for my younger patients, I always tell them, nothing looks more beautiful in your 50s than sun protection in your 20s. <laughs> Dr. Doris Day is a board-certified dermatologist specializing in laser cosmetic, surgical, and aesthetic dermatology. She is a medical educator and a highly respected and sought-after media personality, and she's been named New York City's number one dermatologist. We have Dr. Doris Day in our safe. Thank you for coming to the safe space. I feel really safe in here. And like anything can happen and, and you and I could be okay, all three of us. And this is part of our lab. So we have this lab behind us and we're talking about all the different interconnections between skin and mental health. And like, we could be in this safe space for hours talking about this. So true. And it's really interesting how so much of what I do, patients will leave and say, that felt like a therapy session. And we did Botox. But at the same time, if you're going to help someone look better, the goal is that appearance has value. It's communicating something about you. So I always say, I don't want my patients to just look better. I want them to be better. Because when you make that connection between what you see and who you are, you actually get better results and the results last longer. You know, I was at an event yesterday. It was uh, World Menopause Day. Oh, yeah. And there was a debate between uh, two different schools of thought. On one hand, people were like oh, we shouldn't be focused on aging. It shouldn't matter like what you look like. And on the other hand, it was like, well, there's something called better aging and we all age. Why not do it you know, the way that we feel in control, the way that we feel more confident. And I was just wondering about that. Like, because from my perspective, you know, if you want to look a certain way, and let's say you leave the home and you're putting on makeup, how is that any different than doing things to take care of your skin that's deeper than just the surface, you know? You're absolutely right. So I've kind of broken it down a little bit differently. I think of it as two different things. One is getting older. So yes, we should all get older. And my dad always said we should all die young at an old age. So getting older is a gift. We live longer, we get older, that's beautiful, and hopefully we're wiser, we've lived a life, we have things to give back, stories to tell, we've survived things, so we have a lot to share. But there's a difference between getting older and aging. Aging is pathologic. So I really am anti-aging, or I'm for aging well, because that has implications where only about 20% of how you age is genetic. So you have choices over how you age. Let's say you have the worst genes and like for your aging, it's not gonna be good. Well, that just means you have to try harder. You have to be better about your sun protection, better about your diet, better about sleep, exercise, managing your stressors, because your mental health will affect how you age. You look at people who are stressed, look at all our presidents. They stress through those four years. We watch them age, but look at what happens to them after. They age backwards again. So you can age the other way too. And I go to a functional medicine doctor and we measure my markers of aging. And since I've started my anti-aging program, not my anti-getting older program, because I want to be here, but my anti-aging program, I've aged backwards 20 years. What are some of those markers? I need to learn about this. <laughs> yeah, the, the markers are different. They're immune markers. Okay. They're autophagy markers. There's a whole bunch of different markers. And when I started, I've always been relatively thin. I mean, I lost 50 pounds in my mid to late 20s, and I've never gained it back. So I'm very disciplined about not gaining weight, but not being heavy. I didn't feel as motivated to exercise as much as I used to when I was younger. So my doctor would tell me, look, you're skinny fat. Like, don't think just because you're thin, you're healthy. You have to work out. So I got into this program now. I do my exercise. I do cardio. I lift weights. 
all those things, plus some supplements and some prescriptions I take, all of those things together. I'm not counting on one thing. There's no magic bullet. Well, you have all these wonderful products here. And I had spoken to you this morning about possibly using products to help us to self-soothe. We all talk about self-care, self-care, but there are things that you can do that are literally like a pocket away or a purse away from, you know, allowing you to, that help you with distress tolerance, that help you to stay grounded, that when you're feeling dysregulated or you're in fight or flight, these little things go a long way. They can get you through a day. Absolutely. It can be as simple as a product. It can also be music, uh, just a warm beverage, a cold bath, even just lighting a candle and sitting back and taking a slow, deep breath. Breathing is one of the most important things you do, especially breathing through your nose. When I look at products and things in products that I help develop, I've helped develop products for a whole bunch of different companies. And I used to work in a research lab. So one of the things I really like doing is influencing the products that are on the market, whether they're drugstore or more prestige or ones that I'm I'm making uh, under my own brand name. But I look for ingredients that do exactly as you say. It's not just a great list of ingredients, but it's a great experience. And I call that cosmetically elegant. Wow. That you want products that are cosmetically elegant. They look good on paper and they, they have great formulations, but when you put it on, you say, oh, this is nice. I'm going to do more of this. So ingredients I look for are things like ceramides, hyaluronic acid, shea butter, niacinamide, caffeine, retinols, obviously sunscreen ingredients for all skin tones and types all year round for sure. For different reasons, for my more fair skin patients, it's really more about skin cancer prevention. In patients who have darker skin tones, they have that natural protection built in. So for me and those patients, it's really more about keeping your skin tone even. Because I've noticed that my African-American patients, as they age, and especially if they end up with things like high blood pressure, type 2 diabetes, other issues, they become more sun sensitive as they get older. My white patients, my lighter patients can build up sun protection because they have so much damage. The skin is thicker Mm -hmm. and it picks up some pigment and they almost become a little bit less sun sensitive as they get older because they naturally have thicker skin that's so sun damaged. They have higher risk of cancer for sure. But so my goals are to keep skin tone even, Mm -hmm. keep the skin quality good. And once you pass about the age of 30, it's about preserving your collagen because making it is much harder. Mm -hmm. So in your younger years, like if you get smart in your 20s, you can do a lot of repair. As you get older, You can even do new collagen formation, but as you get older, it's about repairing what you have and protecting what you have. So it's never too late to start protecting your skin and trying to repair the collagen, but obviously the more damage that's done, the harder it is. So how does stress affect the skin? How does stress affect the repair? Well, stress is a trigger for whatever you're prone to. So if you're prone to eczema, psoriasis, breakouts, ulcers, hair loss, any of those things, stress is going to drive that. And it's a bunch of pathways we understand and some we don't, but it's mostly cortisol driven. And then also you have to figure when people are stressed, they have a, a more poor diet and they eat more highly processed foods, high sugar, simple sugars. So that's pro-inflammatory. And all of that drives aging in the skin. That imbalance of cortisol, that inflammation, affects the skin. And the beauty of it is that when you treat the body better, your skin looks better. So when I see the skin, I can often tell if somebody is stressed, if they're depressed, if they have heart disease, lung disease, liver disease, 
a whole bunch of things you can see just by looking at the skin and certain skin findings between the tone, the turgor, the quality of the skin, even someone's posture if they're making eye contact. All of those are visual clues that we have as dermatologists from looking at our patients over decades. And so I put a lot of that into my book called Beyond Beautiful, where I make the connections between what I see in the skin and how you can look at your skin and say, oh, you know, I'm having this rash around my eyes. I had a patient who came in and she had a horrible rash around her eyes and she'd never had it before. And I said, you know, a lot of times when I see someone with a new rash around their eyes, it could you know, be a million different things, but sometimes it's because there are things that they don't want to see and they end up rubbing their eyes a lot or things they don't want someone else to see about them. So she came back about a year later and she uh, was in for a skin check and she said, you know, I, I didn't like what you said last year. She said, that didn't feel very good. She said, but, but I went home and I, I thought about it and she said, I needed to have a conversation with my boyfriend because I knew something was going on and I just didn't want to confront it. And she said, you were right. I was rubbing my eyes. I didn't wow. want to see it. And I mean, obviously I gave her treatment for it too, but I just put that out there as like something to bite. Like, is she going to take this or not take it? Some people it resonates. Most people, you'd be surprised. It does resonate and it's different for everyone. And I'm not analyzing anyone. I'm just saying what I see. And it's not just a rash around the eyes. It's the way they make eye contact mm -hmm. that tells me, or they don't make eye contact mm -hmm. that tells me there's more to this than what I'm seeing myself and wow. what they're telling me. Um, so I don't say everything to everybody, but it's when there's those clues that come to me. And she said, so I realized I needed to do something. And so we had a conversation. It ended the relationship, but it needed to happen. Mm -hmm. And she said, and you know what? I met somebody else and we're so happy. And now it's a year in and she goes, I'm a patient for life. I'm, she was so happy. And she said, I really didn't want to see it. And she goes, the brash never came back. Have you ever heard of the uh, the book, The Body Keeps the Score? Yes. Someone just told me about that yesterday. Yeah. The body does hold on to your stress. Yeah. So even if from the neck up, you've intellectualized it and you've thought it out and you've rationalized it, you made your pros, your cons, your you know to-do list, it doesn't really matter if you don't listen to your body because right. you can be the wealthiest, you can be the most popular, the most successful, but if your body fails, yeah. what do you have? I know. I had um, frozen shoulder and I looked in the mirror and I could see the pain in my face. Mm. I couldn't not make the face of somebody in pain. I was in pain. My yeah. shoulder, I couldn't lie down. My shoulders were killing me mm. and, and it hurt. And I, I realized the body does keep score. The problem is that if you don't attend to it, then you get layers of it. Mm -hmm. It's same thing in relationships, right? If you don't, uh, whether it's work or home or whatever, you get all these scars around it. So now your your body keeps score. It says, okay, well, you're in pain, so you're going to make this face or you're going to walk this way. But then you actually hurt your hip, let's say, because you now shifted the way you walk or you your shoulder hurts, so now you move the other way. Mm -hmm. And now you create a neck pain. So after you don't pay attention for long enough, you actually have other problems. Yeah, and it's hard true. to get to the root of that problem. So the more you allow yourself to be in tune with yourself, and the way I think of doing that is just by being mindful, mm -hmm. is by sort of checking in with yourself, doing those deep breaths. So for me, what I do is every night before I go to sleep, and this is how I lost 50 pounds, is I take three deep breaths. Well, I learned hypnosis in mm -hmm. medical school, mm -hmm. and it was one of the best courses I took mm -hmm. because the doctor who taught the course was this older gentleman and he was 
an amazing hypnotist and he hypnotized me and I was like, I can't be hypnotized. And before I know it, I was like totally drunk and I was like slurring my words and I knew what I was doing and I was, I was choosing to behave this way and he allowed me to remember all of it. And then he taught me to hypnotize myself. So I used to hypnotize myself almost every night as I was going to sleep, take slow, deep breaths. He would show me the position to like put my arm in to go. But through that and through making choices, like life is in your head. Mm -hmm. So if you believe it, you can do it. But if you don't believe it, if you, if you look in the mirror and you go, I'm ugly, I'm fat. Yeah. Then you are Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. I have patients who come in who are supermodels. They don't see that they're beautiful. Wow. They don't get it. They're so worried about, well, they can see that they're beautiful to some extent, but they still see their flaws. Mm. Anybody would switch places with them. I have patients who are much less beautiful than them who love how they look because they're not relying on their beauty for their livelihood. Mm-hmm. So if you have that confidence to just say, I am who I am, I will get through my life. This is going to be good. My goal is never to make somebody anything. My goal is to celebrate who they are, see their beauty, celebrate that and enhance it. Mm-hmm. But people who come in who... who think that if only I got rid of this, I would be happy. Mm-hmm. I tell them, well, then just be happy. Right. Like It's never if this to be happy, because then there's something else. There if is. I had this, I'd be happy. No, just be happy. And then they are, because sometimes they just need a doctor to give them permission. Well, you know, tell us about these products, because you're a scientist, you're a dermatologist, and it sounds like you're a little bit of a therapist because you talk to your patients and you see what's going on inside and you're like, do this. Yep. So, you know, tell us a bit about these products. And I asked you in sp- specifically to bring certain things in because I want simple ways that we can stay grounded to self-soothe when we're experiencing distress. Okay. So I, I think part of it is texture and consistency. So serums are really nice. I didn't bring any oils. You can get oils at the drugstore even, uh, but the consistency is important cool or warm, whatever feels good is good. Mm -hmm. But the things that I make are specifically to reach certain goals. So body retinol for me is really important because that gentle exfoliation allows for better hydration, which lowers itchiness of the skin and improves skin quality, which feels really good. So, I didn't know that you could put retinol on your body. Exactly. Wow. Well, the, the problem is making one that's going to be enough. Okay. Um, so I use a high-powered retinol. It's hydroxypinoclone retinoate. This actually has data that shows that it's essentially equivalent to the prescription strength, but it's not as irritating and it's not a prescription. And it also has in in it peptides, vitamin C, and hyaluronic acid. Okay. So those ingredients together work really well to soothe the skin, to reduce the crepiness and the bumps that people get, the keratosis pilaris that people don't like. And it just feels really good. That's a lot. That's going to cover a good part of your body. I was that is cool. So what I do with my patients is I would ask them to describe it yeah. using as many descriptors as possible. So for, so for example, like you said, it is cool. Yeah. It is smooth. And I look at it and I'm like watching it go around and dissolve. And it's also making my skin, which was a little dry and ashy, a bit more moisturized. It's actually really great for ashy skin. Okay. Because, yes. That's my pet peeve. I cannot. I know. I can't stand ashy skin. It's not, but it's very common. I know. So I'm going to leave this for you because I think you'll you'll really like it for that. It's really nice. And I want you to report back like in two weeks. I mean, with the pandemic, we all like got so used to Purelling and using, Mm. you know, hand sanitizer. So we got really dry skin. Well, this one has squalene on it. So Mm -hmm. a little bit goes a long way. It's really quite dewy. And let me see if I can hold that. 
So you just put this, it is dewy. Yeah. And this is good on top of that. Again, that bottle will last your face like three or four months, but it feels good. You can, this is richer. So this is almost like using, it's just like slugging, but without the occlusion. So it's not going to clog pores. It has squalene in it, which is natural to what your skin makes. Um, and it's super, super hydrating. I use this for my patients who are using retinoic acid or prescription retinols or on top of a salicylic acid, something where if I do a laser procedure, it helps calm it. In the winter, it's really great because your skin naturally gets dry and so good for the neck because the neck ages faster than the face. Why is that? Because the skin is thinner. Okay. What I've noticed in everybody is that the middle of the face mm -hmm. ages the best. Okay. So if I do anything for the mid face, the cheeks, I do filler, I do anything, uh -huh. it lasts. Huh. The lower face and the jawline and the neck, I think of as one unit. This mm -hmm. is one unit. This area does not age well okay. in anybody. It's usually 10 to 20 years ahead sometimes. Like you see people with a mask, they can look okay. They take off the mask like, oh, what's true? What happened here? So protecting the neck, you always want to go up because your chin creates a shadow and protects mm. right under it. So if you do sunscreen here, you're getting where you're naturally protected. You want to go in this direction to get the bottom part. Okay. And for my younger patients, I always tell them, nothing looks more beautiful in your 50s than sun protection in your 20s. <laughs> So I tried to say it all these different ways. Mm -hmm. They're like, my patients are my my test subjects for my material. So I, I tried telling your 50-year-old self is here trying to, you know, warn you about what's coming. Didn't resonate. It's like, well, you know, you're, you're going to age faster. They don't care. They want to mm. look good today. But if you say nothing looks more beautiful in your 50s, somehow when I said that, I was like, everybody got it wow. immediately. Mm. And it once a line resonates, then I test it on other patients. Like, do they like that? And they listen. I have little kids who come in and I teach them how to put sunscreen on and they do it and they're so happy. And I tell them sometimes like, you know, when you're 60, you won't remember my name, but when your neck looks good, you'll remember me. Just right now, I'm like rubbing this. It's feeling, it's relaxing. It is. It's very relaxing. Mm -hmm. And what's so good is I want something that's going to relax and be soothing and pleasurable to put on, but I also want it to go away mm -hmm. so that when you don't need it anymore, it's not like, oh, it's mm -hmm. still there. Feel your hands in two minutes from now, it will be it's all really sunk nice. in yeah. and you won't even know it's there. Mm -hmm. So your hand will feel soft and smooth. You'll have that soothing effect, but you won't feel the product. Mm -hmm. You'll feel your skin is better. So it's not just looking better, it's actually better. Yeah, it's complex because you're doing something that you know is good for you. Yes. But it's also distracting you from whatever current stress you're feeling. It engages all the senses. Even the way that it looks, it's like nice to look at. Right. So you can really, I mean, the and smell. it's a clear color. Mm -hmm. So when I have patients who have habit tick, like we were talking about people who pick at their hands and their nails and their cuticles, it's really great if you have a soothing product. So I don't ever tell someone to stop doing something. Mm -hmm. What I try to do is give them something else to do. So I say, you know what, if you're going to pick and you're there, just allow yourself. Don't judge. Do what you have to do. Mm -hmm. But maybe before you get to that point, we could try this where you can put this soothing element on that's going to hydrate soothe your skin because sometimes when you pick enough, you start feeling itchy mm -hmm. and you get relief from picking or touching. But if you can do something soothing and change the energy, it diffuses it. Well, people pick to feel grounded. It's a very primitive way of grounding yourself when you're overwhelmed. But if you can ground yourself with something positive, 
then you've shifted that, you know, and then they feel better about it. There's less shame. And also that'll go away eventually. That behavior, that rumination will go away. I I love that. So Mm -hmm. I'm always thinking about the experience of the product. I made this product. This is the all day mask serum. This one I made around COVID because everybody was wearing a mask Mm -hmm. and I was seeing horrible rashes around the mouth Mm -hmm. and even around the eyes. Okay. And what I realized is that the mask is occlusive. So when you talk, your mouth microbes end up hitting the mask, landing back on your skin. Yeah. And that friction breaks the skin down and allows unnatural microorganisms to now infect the the microbiome of your skin. And that's my- That happens to me. Yep. Mm -hmm. And I saw a lot of styes around the eyes, same Mm -hmm. thing. So the all-day mask serum, this is actually patented. This one has a barrier that it creates that's soothing- and it also restores the skin biome, and it has some niacinamide, which is also soothing. So the goal of this was to reduce that. Now I use it for perioral dermatitis. People get a rash around the mouth that's part of rosacea. It's okay. not uncommon. It's hard to fix, but that needs a lot of soothing. And also, it helps if you if you if you have that issue to use a mouthwash that has a little hydrogen peroxide in it. Wow! Just to get rid of the mic- mouth microbes. But you don't want to do that all the time because you have a mouth biome as well. Okay. And you need that to be balanced. So it's it's about balance of the biome. Wow. I mean, this is amazing. You know, you have one more here. Do you want to tell us about that one? So the last one, this is also one of my favorites. This is for the eyes. I wanted to bring an eye soothing one because people are very aggressive with the eyes. So dark circles, redness happen, partly genetics for sure. Allergies can be another trigger, but it's really from being aggressive in the way you touch your eyes and rubbing your eyes. So I made a retinol eye product that has vitamin C, vitamin E, ferulic acid, niacinamide, caffeine. These are great ingredients for that area to depuff, even out skin tone, but it's also so soothing to put on and it's tested for the eye area. So it's made for there. The trick with this is to pat it on with your third finger because you If you pat something on your skin, Mm -hmm. it's going to penetrate much better than if you rub it on because you have these fine hairs on the surface. So if you do this, you're rubbing across the surface. If you pat something in, then you can rub it in a little bit. Chances are you're going to get it into the skin much better. I did not know that. And the same thing under the eyes. This is, you don't have vellus hairs there, but you want to pat because that skin is so sensitive that any rubbing there is stretching. So very gentle. And to clean around the eyes... I like micellar water on a cotton pad and just blot. You don't have to rub, just gently blot and it attracts off the makeup. And then you can put the retinol on. You know, there's something, even the way that you do it is so gentle and it's a reflection of loving yourself. So when you teach yourself to be kind to yourself, it sends that unconscious message that others should be kind to you. Right. If you're gentle with yourself, then you should expect that from others. And, you know, a lot of these, uh, like, get ready with me's on TikToks are really popular amongst younger kids. So I'm seeing this boom in younger children, like 10, 11, doing skincare routines. And, like, people will say, well, poo-poo it. But I think it's great because you're teaching younger people to love yourself, to cherish your body because you're going to have your body for the rest of your life. And to have routines. Mm-hmm. When when you have a routine and it's built in, the habits that you build in at a young age. I grew up having a relatively healthy diet from a young age, eating a relatively early dinner. And now I don't even eat dinner and I don't miss it because I ate so early growing up because my dad was an anesthesiologist. Mm-hmm. And back then he had to pre-round yeah. for patients for the next day. So we always ate dinner at 4.30. And my body, even... 40, 50 years later, is used to 
early meals and not eating later. So those habits that we build in, with my grandbaby, we read books all the time. He loves books because for him, it's that's love. So those those habits are really important in skincare and being loving and gentle and how you apply it. I remember growing up with my teenage friends, one of our friends' moms was French, and she taught us, we would all go to her house and we would play and she'd feed us delicious food and we had just such good memories and just hanging out together. But her mom used to have us look in the mirror and look at each other, at ourselves and go, I love me, I'm so beautiful. <laughs> and it's such a silly thing, but actually it's a really nice thing to do is to be loving of yourself. It is. My my mother is a mother of four and she came to this country from Trinidad. And so I would watch her get ready and she'd be rushing and come here fast. And I just made it because I'm in psychiatry. I learned all these things about like scarcity, trauma and immigrant mental health. And I, I make it a point that when I get my daughter ready, I tell her, be gentle with your hair. Yeah. Even if we're in a rush, comb it softly. Brush your teeth softly because she, she and I have this uh, mantra. I said, how many bodies did God give you? She goes, one. And what do you have to do with it? Take care of it. And it's like really teaching her self-care because we're going to be in our bodies for the rest of our lives. We have to take care of it and acknowledge it and listen to it. Right. I study high-functioning depression. For my guests who are typically like high-powered, high-achieving, I ask them, you know, what was a time in your life where you were a rock star, you were doing all these great things, accolades, achievements, People on the outside thought you were, you had it all, you had it figured out, but you knew on the inside you were really struggling. And how did you get through it? Yeah. So for me, that defining time was losing my sister to cancer. Mm -hmm. And um, we were super, super close. We were pretty much inseparable, best friends, slept in the same room, shared everything. My mom used to dress us alike when we were little. And I felt super responsible for her. And one day she showed me a lump in her groin and said, don't tell anyone and I didn't, and uh, and it was uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and she was gone within six months in the most horrific way. I mean, the pain that she suffered uh, was horrifying. I'm so and, sorry. Thank you. And it was, um, and it was tough. But at the time, cancer had a big stigma to it, so it was something that even with my friends, I didn't really talk about. My my friends. We didn't bring it up. And years later, my friends would say, I don't know how you got through that because I did it by myself. My parents, we just culturally don't mention people who are gone. So they never mentioned her name, didn't really tell me she was dying. So I carried a lot of guilt for a very long time, gained 50 pounds, totally depression Mm -hmm. and had to work through it. My way of getting through it was going to college. I studied literature and philosophy, and it's really through some of these philosophers where they they sort of show you what life is about. And I I decided to become a journalist because I and a medical reporter because I wanted to tell her story and talk about quality of life over length of life and hospice care and that it's a family that goes through this and that death doesn't have to be a bad thing, even if it's young, but you have to respect life. So even in somebody who has a terminal illness, if you make it a community thing where you have the right guidance from psychiatrists and social workers and pain management. You can celebrate every day until it's your last day at whatever age. And it never stops hurting. But grief, when it's complicated and you're not listening to what your body is telling you, can be very, very difficult to undo. Going to medical school for me was 
me thinking that if I understood what happened, it wouldn't feel so bad. Mm -hmm. So when I went through medical school, it was difficult because it didn't change that. And I thought, what am I doing here? And it was really when I found dermatology and I realized that my purpose is going to be helping be other people's cheerleaders and making sure that people don't suffer mm -hmm. as much as I can and just being a better person, just living, carrying her energy. And But people would look at me and say, wow, look at you family of doctors, life is good, everything handed to you. Nothing was handed to me. When I went to medical school, it was so hard. I was an English major and a journalist. I only mm -hmm. did the basic of basic science. I didn't know biochem. I'd never taken biochem. For everyone else, they're science majors. They just got out of college, and this was all review. And for me, it could have been Sanskrit for all I knew. Mm -hmm. Even how to study is really different from Very. humanities and to, to science. But I tell you, all those lessons, all that getting through was incredible. Like once you learn how to study, it's addictive. Mm -hmm. Like to this day, I still study, I still take exams for the fun of it because I, I want to learn and that's a good way to test what I learn. But the more I learn, the easier it is to learn, the more I love to learn, and the more I love to share what I know. You can't really teach anybody anything. You can share what you know, they'll get what they get. But I love telling stories and sharing what I know and sort of landing in my body and always keeping my sister in my heart and in my mind and continuing to tell her story of what an amazing woman she was, wondering what kind of an aunt she would be, what kind of a mom would she be, would we still be this close? Things I'll never know, but I will hope that she's on a good adventure and I realize you get the life you get and you don't get to choose some things, but you get to choose what you do with what you have. Wow. And and my goal is to help people understand what their choices are and help them on the path to making a good choice for them. Sometimes it means saying no to things they want from me if I don't think it's appropriate. Sometimes it means bringing up things that they're uncomfortable with that I think is good for them to hear and then helping them hear it in a way that's good for them. But I know that my intentions are good and I try my best to listen. And you turn that pain into progress for your patients because you see life as being so precious that when you see something, a small detail that gives you a clue as to what's happening on the inside, yeah. you say it. And I do think that that pain that you experience with your personal uh, you know, with your personal uh, loss and that grief with your family, likely poured into who you are today and how you affect your patients. So yeah, thank I'm you grateful for, for every day. I think every day is a gift mm -hmm. and you just have to love and, and see light and try to see the good in everybody and assume good intent mm -hmm. with all things. And the world does test it, right? Yeah. Tell us about where we can find you. You're everywhere. You're doing so many things, but please tell us about all the great things sure. you're doing. I'm, uh, I'm on all social media, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, you name it. And I put made it easy. It's all at Dr. Doris Day, at Dr. Doris Day. Well, this was wonderful. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank you for being in the safe space. <laughs> Love it. Thank you. <laughs>